Thanks for downloading this podcast from Brom Radio. For more programs, search our podcast page at bromradio.com. In my opinion, if aliens are here, I suspect the newspapers would be full of the story. And if governments are involved in a cover-up, they're doing a much better job at it than they seem to do at anything else. So the lack of alien contact raises a serious scientific problem. Where is everybody? We've been listening to space for over 40 years. And in all that time, we've picked up nothing. Well, except for one mysterious occasion. On August 16th, 1977, a radio telescope in Ohio picked up a signal that became famous. The telescope listened to space by scanning the skies as the Earth rotated. And just once, it recorded a signal that got everyone excited. The WOW signal, as it became known. The signal was a steady source of radio waves, just the kind an alien race might send, because it stands out from the radio static that fills the universe. A computer recorded the signal as six letters and numbers. Astronomer Jerry Ehrman saw the data and wrote one word in the margin. Wow! Ehrman and others subsequently searched the same patch of sky many times, but found nothing. The wow signal had vanished. The whole mysterious episode reveals that making contact with aliens via radio is always going to be difficult. In such a vast universe, messages take a long time to reach their destination. The wow signal appeared to come from a star system 200 light years away. So it took at least 200 years to reach us. If we sent a reply, it would take another 200 years to reach them. By which time, they might have forgotten they sent anything and stopped listening for a reply. Worse, they might well have destroyed themselves in the meantime. The human race very quickly discovered the power of the atom bomb. If the same holds for intelligent aliens, then they might not last long. Perhaps they all blow themselves up soon after they discover that E equals MC squared. The truth is in here, in Digbeth. 
Um, there we have it. Why on earth are we talking about today? You might wonder. Well, hopefully that has given you a bit of a clue. You started off there with the voice of Stephen Hawking. It actually was Stephen Hawking. It has been pointed out to me that it could easily have been an imposter, but no, it was the, your actual Stephen Hawking from a documentary from 2010. Um, about aliens and about the wow signal which is a fascinating subject um, and um, you can hear now of course the unexpected key change in the uh, X-Files theme tune and that is because our theme tonight today on the Screen Brum Show is aliens extraterrestrial intelligence creatures from other worlds all of that kind of stuff um, and not the uh, illegal aliens, as, uh, as Veronica Cartwright apparently thought when she signed up to it for the film Alien. Um, it is about the, the extraterrestrial one. And we're going to be talking about which ones on screen have most affected us, which ones have frightened us, which ones have made us fall in love, all of that kind of stuff. Because this is the Screen Brum Show. And the Screen Brum, we talk about anything with a screen. And uh, we talk about you know, what we've learned about life and aliens from it uh, and of course we always do it with um, the company of our two regular contributors Mr Tim Wilson hello Tim uh, in Digbeth no one can hear you sneeze apparently the um, when Alien 3 was first trailed um, it was going to be on earth and the, the trailer was going to be the strat line was going to be on earth everyone can hear you scream which is a bit rubbish really not so good, really. No. I prefer in Digbeth, no one can hear you sneeze, because I'm under the weather today. So you may hear, if you hear a sort of strange, organic barking noise, it is going to be you sneezing. It's going to be me sneezing as I sort of descend into a Tom Waits-like existence, as my voice gets deeper. Yeah, so uh, bear with me today. I'm not my usual happy self. But oh dear. as soon as we start to- talking alien films, I'll chip her up. It's all good. That's all good. Um, and of course, we are also joined by Lucy Beth in the, in the producer pod. Hello, Lucy. Oh, no, we're not joined by Lucy Beth because I haven't put the right microphone up. We love live stuff. <laughs> Try that again, Lucy. Hello. That's better. Oh, I'm, I'm here. You can hear us. Uh, and Lucy is manning our um, social media. So if you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet us at Screen Brum. We can also be emailed at info at screenbrum.co.uk got it right first time ever info at screenbrum.co.uk and uh, or twitter at screenbrum and we're interested in your favorite aliens we've had loads of people already getting in touch with us and loads of really great ones mac and me that's the one with the the, the kid falling off the cliff um, someone's been very excited about seeing that one um, but yeah who, what are your favourite aliens um, but we're also very very excited to be joined by uh, an alien no uh, well we don't know yet uh, he hasn't taken his sunglasses off so we're not quite sure um, hello Scott would you like to introduce yourself sure uh, human uh, just that, about that's today. as far as you're going yeah. is it <laughs> uh, and you are well you're a you're a polymath a renaissance man a filmmaker musician Tell us a bit about yourself. That sounds about right, yeah. I kind of dabble. I okay. dabble in various uh, forms of communication. <laughs> <laughs> good. Not, not so much verbal, as you can tell. But, good, um, this is yeah. going to be a good, good show. Um, <laughs> are, you, uh, and, and are you interested in aliens? I am. 
Yes. I can't believe that the first film you referenced today is Mac and Me. (laughs) That's amazing. Having you listened to the show, this is the kind of standard. (laughs) This is the standard you can expect. No, that's great. Don't get any higher. Paul Red's favourite film, wasn't it? Uh, Yeah. It's uh, it's quite something. Um, Aliens is actually... Actually, have you just seen the... They've just released the the ending that was never seen before. Is that right? Have you not seen this? I haven't. It's incredibly grim. It it ends with the boy being shot in the back. (laughs) I swear. (laughs) Good. Yeah. Uh, Well, there you go. That's going to cheer everyone's lunch up. The thought of uh, the the dark kill spree ending of Mac and and me slaughter version. Um, So you're going to be talking about uh, your favourite aliens, but you're also going to be talking about um, some very interesting space stuff that you're doing or some UFO stuff that you're mm-hmm. doing at uh, at the Hare and Hounds uh, coming up. We'll talk about that in a minute. I want to play some music first and give everyone an opportunity to, to have any questions for Scott, the filmmaker, musician, um, you know, Renaissance man par excellence. Quite like a bit of macrame as well. bit of macrame. Okay, well, we're looking forward... To seeing some of that live macrame it's not really a, a radio <laughs> it's not really a radio format but let's have a go uh, I'm going to play some music now from from not from a, uh, a space film but um, it is from a film and you will know why I'm playing it so let's enjoy it shall we here we go gorgeous that is of course life on mars um most famous by everyone's favorite alien creature david bowie but this one was sehu jorge um and that is actually from the life aquatic my understanding is that those words are he's he's just made up new words for it they're not direct uh direct translations of david bowie's lyrics so if you are a portuguese speaker i presume it's portuguese because he's a brazilian musician uh, let us know uh, what it's saying and let's hope it isn't something deeply offensive or insulting to aliens because we're being friendly to aliens because they may be they're not being friendly to us yeah well uh, let's face it um you know why would they why would they come and visit us um so we're going to be talking about our favorite um alien films and our our favorite uh, aliens in films and i've set this i don't know about you tim but when i started um, putting these together i suddenly thought there's a hell of a lot of aliens and a hell of a lot of alien films so i set myself a rule to make it a little bit more restrictive and easy and i i have focused because of the sort of person i am only on benign aliens aliens that are come to earth in peace to spread love and understanding to earthbound aliens not necessarily earthbound but aliens that are that do not mean us ill or rather, they've ended up on Earth. Yes, they may have done. Um, but, they, you know, the, the point I'm trying to say is I'm trying to be warm here. I'm trying to be encouraging. I'm trying to create an air of galactic brotherhood. Because, don't forget, they can hear us right now. All our stuff is going off into space. They can hear us. Okay, so the aliens that are out there, this is Blake speaking from Brum Radio in Digbeth. If you are going to enslave us um, and uh, plug us into batteries and uh, use us as your kind of breeding stock and food i want to be one of the overseers i want to be one of the ones um you know that are herding my fellow humans i'm perfectly happy to do that uh if it comes to it i you know i will maybe i'm uh, maybe i'm creating a bad impression the entire time the entire time that you were talking that i just thought of uh, 
Mars Attacks. And I was just thinking, <laughs> dang, 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 dang. the whole time you were saying that, you have no hope. Okay. All yeah. right. Yeah. I, I, for one, would like to warmly welcome our insect overlords. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. We, you, can't, you can't be any worse than we have here on Earth. I'm joking, of course. I'm, I am not, let's just make this clear, I am not um, welcoming an alien invasion. I'm very much opposed to it. Um, so, yeah, tell us know your favourite films. Um, you know, what are your favourite aliens in films? We did a poll on our Twitter feed um, in advance of the show to find out which was the better film. Alien, the 1979 Ridley Scott classic, or Aliens, the 1986 James Cameron classic. And the winner was... Um, Pleasingly, by a margin of 48%, um, was Aliens. Oh, we're doing 52-48. That mm. served us very well over recent years, <laughs> isn't it? Scott's, should have a, Scott's leaving. Should, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, we should have a people's vote now <laughs> we, and redetermine. We, we, um, we, referendum. No, we should all, we should all make, make this decision based on half-remembered uh, snatches of the film and what people have told we, us we, about we it. Will no doubt, we will no doubt be uh, having some uh, banter about that. Yeah, well, I... I think it's interesting. Want to lay into it now. I think it's an interesting uh, discussion because they are. One of Lucy's uh, friends said, "It depends on whether you like Jaws in space or what was it? Platoon in space. Platoon in space." And I think that's a good, <laughs> good distinction. And they're both great. So um, you know, why do we have to decide? Lucy, of course, was very busy on Twitter regarding this. I think uh, you had a bunch of conversation with people, didn't you? Yes, this was actually in a um, cult cinema collectors group. And um, the poll came out very differently on that one, with Alien getting 107 votes and Aliens getting 68. So that well. was a very different and correct result. <laughs> Scott, we need you to, to, to come in on this one now. What's uh, the correct answer? This, this could be two hours just on its own, I know this. Aliens no, I, or I, Alien? I think it's quite litmusy. It's a litmus testy kind of thing, Alien, Aliens. Uh, for sure, because Aliens a horror film, as far as I'm concerned, mm. it's um, it's a science fiction horror film, and Aliens is an action movie mm -hmm. with aliens in it. But a lot of them, and I, and yeah, I really enjoy Aliens, but I don't find it that it's the aliens are kind of that important. They could be, you know, they could be like tigers or mm -hmm. whatever. Whereas in the first film, it felt so. There's something just so freaky and weird about that H.R. Geiger thing that you actually do feel like you're encountering something, you know, sort of, even though it's a horror film in space, I know. But yeah. the, the actual alien side of it is very important and crucial to it and, what, and it's what makes it very distinctive. And the, the design all the way through that film is just phenomenal. Not just the alien, but the spaceships, yeah. the set, both stages of the alien, the little eggs, everything's yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, because there's just something inherently, like, there's one alien in the first film and it kills everyone <laughs> apart from one tough cookie and a cat and in the second film there's hundreds of them and they're picking them off like they're you know it's the it's the similar thing with the walking dead where it's like the thing itself just becomes immaterial it's like something that's just in the way and you kind of get rid of it and then have a soap opera yeah. <laughs> and, <it's> like, <laughs> and i think also it's, really I mean, it's the distinction of the two directors at the heart of mm. the, both films you mm. know um scott is about the atmosphere artiste. setting the toner the artiste yeah. the, the the feel uh, Cameron is about the camaraderie, and the and the you know he's mu I think he's much more interested in the um, in the complex of humans mm. than he is in that the complex of the aliens. Cameron yeah. has always been his way. You mm. know he will use things as a device in which to serve a plot line, mm. and uh, he does that with aliens. I I mean I love both films, but Alien is the is the visceral experience. Mm. Alien is the thing that really um, defines. The genre mm. is the thing that really sets the tone, and nothing's bettered it in terms of a horror 
claustrophobic horror. If you just get on quotable experience. lines, aliens wins hands down. Oh yeah, but you Cameron, know, I, I don't think I quote a line from Alien. Cameron does military dialogue very well. <laughs> He's very good at the military dialogue. Well, I don't want. To, I've um, got lots of facts about this, and I don't want to uh, spoil them because we're going to do a quiz um, on how well our contributors here know aliens. An alien and alien about three. one o'clock. Um, <laughs> you can you can join on at home. Uh, alien one, yep. alien aliens, alien three or alien cubed, um, an alien, alien cubed. That's what it is. It's alien superscript three. That's the that's that's the the point. It's not alien three. It's Alien Three. There's there's some rationale behind it, um, and Alien Resurrection. Really which too is much the into brand one. design, then. Eh? Um, and uh, we're going to know. We're going to find out how much you know about them. So if you are an expert on the Xenomorph, then um, you're going to enjoy that. Um, oh, I enjoyed three some, of the films anyway. I've got some interesting facts. But let's do our. Let's start off with. Let's set our tone here with our our, our, our number one choices or one of our choices for Alien films, and let's see what our audience thinks. And I'm going to start this because. Mainly because I know that everyone else is going to say these films. Uh, and I'm going to start setting my tone, if that's okay with everyone. I could start predicting. I like sweepstaking your films. Because yeah. you're going for oh, Home Earth coming. That, I, I, that narrows it down to about three or four, which I think you're going well, to Well, I'm going to do two. I'm going to put two together because I think that they are, um, this, they are companions to each other. So I'm going to choose 1977 Close Encounters, Steven Spielberg's classic with the Douglas Trumbull's visual effects look amazing um, and uh, hang on a minute I've got uh, if I can uh, bear with me in a second I've got something I'm supposed to do here in order to uh, in order to uh, you know to, to get us in the in the mode hang on there we are uh, that's me on the piano here all I can play, um, and I don't want to go. But I'm going to pair it with uh, 2016's Arrival, directed by Denis Villeneuve. The, the God, you're picking off all of mine. I'm sorry. I think that's why I want to get in there early because these are films that are both um, beautiful. They look amazing. They have um, these benign aliens that come to Earth and are almost beyond our understanding and are hard. And it. And it talks about the issue of how would we actually communicate you know how do we you know we find it hard enough to communicate with with our next door neighbors never mind you know something that's just completely different to us so there's loads of really interesting ideas around that but they also both exhibit a profound optimism about humanity um which actually surprisingly few films with aliens in show it says you know humans are worth saving and they're worth joining the galactic community you know they are they are worthwhile creatures um, and that's actually quite a transgressive attitude to have actually in film this idea that we're worthwhile the other thing that I want to make the join between these two films is they both have amazing soundtracks of course John Williams soundtrack for Close Encounters and Johan Johansson's for Arrival and they both do something I think this is me trying to read too much in perhaps is they both blur the line between what is the music and what is the special effect? What exactly. is the sound effect? Yeah. So the music, in both cases, the music is also the communication of the alien. Um, so it, it kind of becomes so integral to the film because of those things. And it actually blurs the lines between those two things. So that is my choice. Close Encounters slash Arrival. Do I get an amen? Mm. Totally, yes. Approval? Absolutely approval. Um Oh, I don't know what to add to that. I, I, <laughs> I, I think that um, Arrival is um, an absolute 
piece of genius from Denis Villeneuve. I absolutely adored that film, um, mainly because I think it it gave it, it actually tackled. I think a lot of the films we'll talk about will actually deal, deal with human themes, mm-hmm. and they, they're always reflective of things. And I, I think the whole the whole thing around Amy Adams and the sort of suggestion of motherhood, the suggestion of loss, and the way that they counteract that within the, the, the tale of the of the alien invasion. And it's not an invasion. The alien, the alien arrival, arrival, welcome. I got to stop saying invasion. Yeah, Alien arrival, and uh, all the stuff, all the stuff around the the, the dialogue and the translation and it's the beautiful. the beautiful. It's all beautiful mm. and sad and mm. um, uplifting. Yeah, at the profoundly same time. optimistic. I think is 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 the sense I get in both of these films. This idea that you know, faced with the the vast unknowingness of the universe and the future and all that stuff, that we don't just go mad and gibber in the dark. Um, I think it's. Um, you know, it's it's a, it's a profoundly upbeat attitude. There, Sco- is, there is something odd about Close Encounters, though, which is you know you can't you can't deny that he just says see ya to his family. Yeah, that is weird. Walks walks. But off that that isn't that also Spielberg's um, autobiography because mm-hmm. of his upbringing? Because yeah, yeah. that is kind of what happens. It's dark to him. film. It's for it's sure. A dark it's a film. personal film. Even to him. though when you think about it, you think very Disney thoughts and yeah. uplifting. But the, the actual independent. That's why I like it as a Spielberg film. It's it's, it's like very it's autobiographical. Both yeah. Elements of what he does, which is that manipulative, feel good thing, but also is underpinned with quite a lot of serious stuff in there. There's so much iconography in there. I, I do love the uh, I do love. I mean, everyone. I, I do love the mashed potato scene. Yeah, uh, the building, the visions he has. I love the. Um, I love when a Truffaut turns up because it's just oh Truffaut's in the film. That's well, bonkers. In it. That like is bonkers. It's bonkers. Truffaut's <laughs> here. You know, Spielberg's just ticking a box here, yeah, it, but he's so cool. Truffaut's cool in the film, and ships then and the then desert. and the yeah, ships in the desert, Surreal the set list, the the, the the trumble is the trumble effects, the little then, the little kid um, with going out the door, yeah, you know, uh, completely framed in the bright lights, and you know again Spielberg just tugs your heartstrings yeah. uh, several terms, you know, bye, like oh, <laughs> I'm out, man, let it go, let, let it, it go. go, and then the aliens turn up and they're all lovely and yeah. they've got little legs, you know, no, they're bit, <laughs> these little. Children ones aren't they? So we definitely yeah. can't be frightened of them because everyone knows that children can't be malicious and and uh, and cruel. Uh, hang on, no, that's not right. Um, anyway, wow. anyway, so that's uh, Blake's uh, first choice. Choices. So, um, Tim, would you I'd like really, to? Sorry, sorry, go on, Lucy. Uh, the thing I'd really um, why I loved Arrival was Johan Johansson's score, mm. which is just so beautiful it and that is. made the film for me. It is, it is brilliant, and um, of course. Uh, he died this this yes. year, I think. Right. Yeah. And his la- his last score is for um, the Nick Cave Mandy, um, which is supposed to be utterly bonkers. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Not a date film. Not a date film. You, you, you look well. you, you, you look like you've learned from bad experience. <laughs> no, on that one. no, no. Fortunately, I did not do <laughs> Mandy as a date film. Right. Okay. So, um, Tim, have you got a choice for us? Yeah, I'm going to shoot from left field here. Mm. Um, I'm keeping to your theme, Blake. Well, uh, of benign aliens. Of benign aliens who end up on Earth, whether intentionally or otherwise. I'm going to pick 1984's John Carpenter film, Starman. Waiting in the this, sky. This is a film of childhood again. I think I, I'd be very surprised how many, how many picks are picked because of childhood, mm. because of films that really resonate. And so um, Bridges is an alien an earth visiting alien whose starship got gets shot down by the US military he comes in peace he's picks he picks up a record from the Voyager 2 satellite mm. and you know and he's got um, 
you know, it contains, you know, the kit, it contains words, greetings in 54 languages mm. and so on and so Chuck forth. Chuck Berry as well is yeah. on there. Yeah. And I think what he does, he, he basically assumes the uh, form of uh, um, Karen Allen's character, uh, for Karen Allen's hus- former dead husband, um, for oh, okay. assumes her, her his form mm-hmm. and, te- and for, for, for all of a better word, takes her hostage in a manner of speaking. And what this, be- and it sounds quite dark and mm. but actually what what this film turns into is an alien coming to appreciate all the things that humans have in life and enjoy everything from a romantic interaction to eating apple pie and everything in between and what this film is is really is a real gentle romantic tale of of an alien in becoming human mm. effectively whilst on the run from the US military who are out to make sure that he's captured and of course, mm, dissected. You know, mm. the film riffs. It's like a friendly. It's it's like the antithesis of Man Who Fell to Earth. Mm. Whereas you know, is ali- that is film about ultimately about alienation and and um, get struggling to come to terms with being on Earth. This is a film about a guy who comes to terms with being on Earth. And Je- Jeff Bridges is just genius in it. And he got, I think, he got an Academy Award nomination, mm-hmm. which okay. is in those days for a sci-fi, sci-fi film yeah. is quite mm. out there. And, Jack, and an, another appreciation is Jack Nietzsche's synth, synthy score, which is absolutely brilliant. And sort of ser- that the, the main theme serves as an underpin of the, the film's positivity mm. and the film's um, sort of euphoric nature. And that the, the the ending is lovely. And, it's uh, not something we normally associate with John Carpenter, is it? Kind of it really is. Lovely well, endings. It's, it's just the funny thing. This film came out the same week as June in mm. the United States. And that's not a film you'd associate with David Lynch. Mm. Um, and yet it is now associated as a very iconic David Lynch film. So that and week, two films, yeah. Dune and Starman, mm. coming and, out. And Carpenter week. made Starman as a sort of apology for the thing, <laughs> which, which he got he got absolutely slaughtered for. Yeah. And so he made the nice, he, you know, he, he got killed by E.T. with the thing because everybody wanted a nice alien. So he made Starman. But he, he, he did introduce it as his only love story on stage the other day. I saw him playing live ah. uh, he said this is my only love story and, and he started playing Nietzsche's music in the set which is amazing yeah. to hear him paying tribute to that because I agree I think it's one of the great scores and um, I, I also Karen Allen is so good as the foil yeah, and also um, adorable Charles Martin Smith as the, yeah. as the guy trying to find him and uh, very very good as well and the technical stuff is really spot on as well it's a lovely film mm, fantastic very underrated yeah. Very under, I think underseen. I don't think actually mm. think in America it's very well res- uh, known. I don't think it's as well known mm. here. But yeah, a good choice. Yeah, that's so my choice. Thank you. Going We've had um, now, Scott. Would you like to to join us with a, a film? Choice? I will. You, you asked me to do two things that are incredibly difficult, which is lists and yeah. science fiction stroke. Sort of, you know, We've narrowed it down. Yeah, on, yeah. Right? It's it's not my favourite thing to do. So I had to do the same thing as you and get specific good idea because I've got a list of a million favourites so what because it's um, October Halloween coming up I thought I would choose the opposite from you I thought I would choose four um, four films that kind of have a theme of alien abduction and more of a horror aspect to them and the first one of those I think is up there as the sort of, you know, the uh, the ultimate of that, that type of film, which is Communion, um, which is... This is Christopher uh, it, Walken, isn't it? Yes, it's, it's a completely balmy film. It's, it's a very true silly. story, isn't true it? True story, yeah. Uh, for the benefit of uh, <laughs> listeners, we are making finger <laughs> oh, quotes here. Oh, oh very, very heavily finger quoted. Um, yeah, but basically he, he maintained... Whitley Strieber was very 
a quite successful novelist, New York um, novelist, and he maintained that over the course of a period of time, he was visited in his, his log cabin with his family by these creatures, and he has recovered memories and things. And um, this led him on, a, you know, a lifelong quest and many books. You know, finding communion, recovering communion. <laughs> it's, Son of communion. Yeah, he's yeah. really built like a whole a whole thing out of it. But I was always absolutely fascinated by it because I, I always thought, I don't really care if it's true or not. I just love the story of Spoiler, it. Spoiler, it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but to be honest, the film is absolutely terrifying. I mean, yeah. it's so goofy. And yet there's things in it which I, I just I get the shivers thinking about. There's yeah. like... Creatures creeping just around doorways and and strange lights and you know all that stuff that's basically just like playing into your fears of if you're like in a cabin in the yeah. woods you know it's just horrific horrific film and there's there's some proper alien uh, you know probe action as well <laughs> like horrific probing in it Ooh. which is just yeah gives me shivers it's okay got a proper cult following this it film, has, hasn't it so because it wasn't balmy. it wasn't picked up well by critics at all and it, uh, do you think that there's some sequels i think as well do you think do you think a lot of people um people's enjoyment of the film depends on whether you love walking there's, in the film hu- as there's well. a huge amount of camp as well as horror there's camp which is a really yeah. weird combo to have like one minute <laughs> you're just looking at it like is he making this up as he goes along are they just saying Chris Walken, can you just do some weird stuff here for us? And he's like, feels, absolutely. I, I, it does feel like that. He's totally just he's totally it. riffing. Yeah, know. but then there's these incredible set pieces where it's just, just <laughs> horrific and paralyzing fear, and you're like, well, I don't know what I feel about this at all. Um, and it's got proper actors in it, and and it should be noted that it was directed by um, a friend of Whitley Strieber. Um, this is like a bit of inside baseball that no one will care about, but it was a, a good friend of his who made the film, and uh, that person, Philip Mora, is a, an Australian director whose main other credit is Howling 2, uh, which is another... The Howlinger. Uh, <laughs> another film that shouldn't have happened. <laughs> I'm just looking through his amazing. filmography to see if there's anything uh, anything else that's redeeming. He did do some cool stuff. He did um, The Return of Captain Invincible with Alan Arkin, which is a real childhood favourite of mine. Mm. About it. It's a very early superhero, is he crazy or is he an actual superhero type film? So. And he did uh, A Breed Apart with Rudger Hauer and yeah. Kathleen Turner. <laughs> yep. That's from the yeah. classic Rudger Hauer VHS uh, <laughs> companion list, that one. <laughs> Um, but w- Communion's his Citizen Kane. We should do a top five Rudger Hauer films at some point. That, that would be, be a great. That would be a great salute to the jugger. So thank you for your tweet so far. We have um, you'd be pleased to hear that you have been approved, Scott. Um, Feathers and Wings. Uh, hello, Feathers and Wings. Communion is brilliant. I imagine a lot of people have had yeah. a lot of recovered memories since I started talking <laughs> so, about it. Um, that they've seen this film. <laughs> Feathers Wings also approves of Starman as well, so we're on a roll. Um, and they have mentioned that they would quite like to meet an alien and fly off the Earth with him to his planet. So depending on what sort of alien it is, I think the communion alien is possibly less friendly. Um, so um, so uh, our, our fourth companion uh, on this interstellar voyage, Lucy Beth, now, Lucy, like Scott, is usually, she's, she's leafing through a book. She usually produces about 50 to 100 <laughs> film choices, but we are forcing her to, to metal down. Pick one. So one, one. You've kept it to five. You've kept it to five. Excellent. Yeah. So do you want to start with one? Um, okay, I'll go straight in with Brilliant Camp from Frank Oz with Little Shop of Horrors. Do, 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 do. I, I 
um, I watched it again this week and it just never fails to fill me with absolute joy. It's um, so it's got Rick Moranis and Ellen Green as the sweetest characters and the, a brilliant cameo from Bill Murray as the masochistic patient to Rick Martin's sadistic... Steve Martin. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, well, that would be a very different film. <laughs> I'd still watch it. Um, it's, it's sadistic dentist. Um, I love that it's plant life rather than something that's ultimately based on humanoid features. Mm. Well, it's um, a pod film, isn't it? Which I, I don't think people even remember that that film is an alien film. Yeah. I just think they take it for granted that there's this big man-eating plant but it's a pod film it's invasion of body snatchers isn't it oh yes yeah, yeah and it is based on an original um 1950s vincent price horror i believe yeah with jack nicholson is jack nicholson yeah, in it's it? one of his first films you're, you're crackling up i'm afraid lucy um, we so need to get our alien interference we are we are yeah the, the aliens are across the waves we'll try and sort that out one thing i do know as well about this film is, is that, um they had to change the ending Yes. Because um, similarly to Mac and Me, it originally had a very dark ending. Yeah, um, the original ending, which is the stage version ending as well, everyone dies. Mm. There's no happy ending. Everyone gets eaten and the plants take over the world. Yeah. Which is kind of a better ending, really. Mm, discuss. I think the optimist versus the pessimist is going to be the debate on us. So that's, what year is that from, Lucy? Do you remember? Uh, 86. 86. Same year as Aliens. Yes. There we are. That would be a double bill. Um, so keep sending us your tweets. We're going to try and fix uh, Lucy's microphone. So I'm going to play some music now. We've had loads of mentions already. Um, I'm going to going to go with. We talked about the beautiful soundtrack to Arrival. So I'm going to play Kangaroo from that. Uh, enjoy. <laughs> I could listen to that all day, but we do have uh, a rest of a show to talk through. So that's Kangaroo. Uh, that's from the Arrival soundtrack by Johan Johansson. Um, so we've had some uh, great choices already in our first ones and lots of contributions. Thank you to Joel Blackledge, who's tweeted in, commenting um, on another film about uh, alien abduction, the 1993 film Fire in the Sky, which is apparently another quotes true story about alien abduction he says it's a largely unremarkable small town drama but it's abduction scene is genuinely one of the scariest scenes in cinema so uh that sounds that sounds like something to avoid if you are me um but uh, but there we go um right so we're um scott um yep. We've introduced you as you know, a polymath, and we've been rather vague, but you have got a space-related thing coming up soon, haven't you? In a way, yes. It's um, it's UFO, specifically UFO-related, um, which is... I'm, do I'm doing a soundtrack. I've done it about like four or five times now. It's a live soundtrack to a film called Unarius The Arrival. And Unarius is... Um, <laughs> uh, how long have we got? Um, Unarius is an organisation um, which is... Uh, if you wanted to give it a sort of shorthand description, it's a UFO cult from America, um, which was based in San Diego uh, through the 50s, 60s, 70s and onwards until the founders of this um, benign, I call it a benign cult, because as far as I know, I've never seen anything related to this cult that's negative um, so far. You know, probably like things will come out now and I'll be like... <laughs> 
<laughs> immediately distance myself from this film. But um, they, it's something that just fascinates me when I was a kid growing up. They they used to pop up on things like Manhattan Cable and public access, uh, sort of little clip things on Channel 4. And you'd just see this few seconds of this woman, um, this just beautific older woman in, in these incredible handmade sort of costumes with flashing lights and planets and things. And just a big, big disco queen. And um, she called herself Prince Uriel. And she was channeling this alien being called Prince Uriel. And uh, people are glazing over in the booth here. Why? <laughs> yeah, this, <laughs> this, is, um, this, this is the world of Yedarius, um, which is, yeah, so it's a science-based um, psychedelic uh, disco uh, UFO cult from... So you've got the visuals from them. And that's where it gets really interesting for me is that they had a film studio in the late 70s. They had their own film studio with proper stuff, like proper production values and things. So um, the films that they made, which are essentially educational films for their their society Mm. um, to teach us about, you know, the the background to these 32 starships that were going to come and bring a new dawn of uh, scientific understanding to help... uh, humanity evolved really which everybody agrees is what we need to do um so that yeah that'd be all right wouldn't it Uh, so you know kind of um that that's what they had uh that's what they were channeling and what was planned um and that didn't kind of work out they just uh sort of they passed us by they just (laughs) (laughs) it's just yeah they they probably had other plans that sunday (laughs) (laughs) conflicting i think they sent us a text yeah i don't know they sent us david bowie and said (laughs) sorry not gonna um, but uh, the films they made, I find really special because they're 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 kind of like um, uh, uh, it's like Star Wars, but with you know a uh, hundred quid. Um, but they've really gone for it. So like the effects are really good, and there's the, the, it's like all shot on film. So it's got that real aesthetic of you know like a proper movie. Oh. And um, I find them charming and like really fascinating. Um, and at some point, I just got the idea of doing a sort of synthesized score uh, live to these to these educational films. So yeah, that's the first one I did. I'm still trying to get hold of. They did another one which was called Trip to Mars, which sounds really good. Um, and it's got a lot of tabletop uh, sort of like miniatures and things in it. And so just from that sort of side of it, I'm really fascinated by the filmmaking of yeah. it, you know, and the, the effort they put in, the costumes and the production design and everything. But I'm also, I'm down with the message, you know. Like I say, they're a sort of benign disco yeah. UFO cult. I mean, what's, what's the harm? <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Uh, I- I read um, Dave Davis of the Kinks autobiography. Oh yeah, um, and he and and that's really interesting because he's clearly well. It, it, it appears he had a hard life. Yeah, Dave well, Davis. he had you know he he. I think he took quite a lot of um, pharmaceuticals. Yeah. And um, as you read the book, at one point he just says, "Oh, at this point, you know, Maldek from the planet Z came down to meet me in my hotel room." And it's obvious that it seems like right. the, the his editor has gone right. You can talk about this stuff. <laughs> Only within this ten-page banner, so he just like doesn't mention it. Then it's just ten pages of aliens, you know, visiting us, and then it's and then we went on tour again, and, and it's called, um, so yeah, he was very much um, a, a believer of that, and you know, who's to say? Mm-hmm. I'm not to say. So when can we see this live? It's on uh, Monday. Uh, the 22nd, so mon- this coming Monday at the Hare and Hounds in King's Heath. Uh, and the exciting thing for me is that I'm supporting uh, Space Lady. So there's a space theme to the evening. You know, I'll, I'll support her with my uh, with a short film with a live soundtrack, which I do with um, an old Russian... Bit of, there's a bit of a sort of thing with 
the kit that I'm using as well. I'm using like old analog synths uh, with loop pedals and stuff. Um, and that that sort of goes really well with the film, I think. Um, and then Space Lady, who she's um, she's amazing. We actually put when she first toured because she was a street performer from San Francisco uh, in the 80s and she just used to do covers a bit like uh, Seu Jorge she'd do covers of pop songs in her own style and they're, and they're incredibly charming and ethereal she just sings and plays a little Casio organ with lots of reverb very eerie, very beautiful and um, we actually, we put her on when she first started touring about five years ago we put her on at the Hare and Hounds and uh, nobody came uh, which was really sad. So I hope more people come this time because she is, she's, you know, legitimately legendary. Um, she played at Supersonic Festival, I think, two years ago and had, like, a room full of bearded, tattooed blokes crying and, uh, you know, it was all very emotional. It sounds fantastic. <laughs> it and so she's, she's you wonderful. can't guarantee an alien visitation, but we, we're not Apart ruling it out. the space lady herself, yeah. who, you know, I wouldn't... I mean, she stayed with me when, when we put her on and she was there was something ethereal and not quite there about her fantastic yeah. um i'm loving the sound of this so if you want to to get along to that um look up i guess the hare and hounds yeah. uh, website that's yeah. in, in king in king's heath here in birmingham and, uh, and get yourself some tickets and that's monday night um i'm going to play a little bit more music and then we're going to come back to our uh, film choices so please do continue to send us your choices and your thoughts uh, and of course any questions for scott I'm going to say Scott Johansson. That's the correct pronunciation. Yeah. Um, and so let's have some cool music now. Oh, how good is that? That's the Bob Crew Generation Orchestra, um, Barbarella from uh, the film of the same name, where she is an alien, because that is our theme today here on Screen Brum. It's aliens. Let us know uh, your favourite alien movies at Screen Brum on Twitter, info at screenbrum.co.uk on the email so we've we've gone through one of our choices um and we're 49 minutes through the show so we're going to be uh, accelerating the pace a little bit um i'm going to do one um now which is another one that ties into this um positivity uh, idea that i'm having uh, and it's 1997's contact directed by robert zemeckis based on carl sagan's novel i'm getting approval yeah, I was, I was going to mention that when mm. you were talking about Arrival, but I held off because I thought you were going to pick it. <laughs> you know, so there you go. I, I always go with well. the obvious choices. I think that's pretty clear. Um, so this is, a, this is a film about uh, Jodie Foster as uh, a SETI scientist. SETI is the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. And she discovers uh, an alien, or is it a radio signal? Uh, and it raises loads of interesting questions about you know what would it mean for us if we discovered we weren't alone in the universe who should represent humanity um it also talks about whether or not science and religion are incompatible doesn't believe it is um it also rather cheekily used bill clinton against his uh, against his his wishes talking about uh, something an alien um, um well it's complicated and i won't uh, bore you with it but uh, bill clinton, um I, I really like it i really like the, the the questions it asks um the aliens in it are are, are really the signal that we get this kind of we don't we don't really get to see aliens as no kind of scaly creatures um it 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 fascinates me as as someone that's really interested in this whole area of alien life um it it it's um 
there's a thing called the Drake equation. I don't know if you're familiar with this, um, which is an equation that is an estimate. Some scientists have done an estimate. How likely is it that, that there are extraterrestrial civilizations that could communicate with us? And obviously there's quite a lot of assumptions in this calculation. And the answer is anywhere in between 20 and 50 million um, so, uh, alien civilizations, which is obviously quite a wide range. Um, but it fascinates me, this whole area. Um, you know, that, that's distilled into one line in context, isn't it, where McConaughey's character says uh, something about um, that there's so much space that it's just a waste of space if there's not more stuff mm. in it. Yeah, there, there isn't more life out there. It, there is there is a a, 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 a sort of counter argument to this, which is a scientist called uh, Femi uh, who wrote the Femi paradox, which is um, summed up as where is everybody? Um, if space is so vast and there's so much in there, why haven't we heard anything? He thinks we actually ought to have done, and it's slightly suspicious that we haven't. He's obviously not tried to travel to the edge of the spiral arm of the galaxy. Well, he it's hasn't. Not, it's not lazy. You know, there's huge, huge distances involved. You know? I just like the idea that they're all, all the aliens out there are just like, oh, they're so embarrassing. Those humans, I'm just going to, are just ignoring us, <laughs> and they're all just sort of flying around because uh, you know it's too embarrassing. Anyway, that's my choice for a recommendation for a benign alien uh, contact. 1997, Robert Zemeckis, uh, Matthew McConaughey, and uh, Jodie Foster. Approved, Tim? Most of it. Okay. Yeah. It, it's long. Mm. I, I, th- I think Jodie Foster's fully committed in it. Think, I think that um, it, it, there are things in it which work really well, and there are things in it which work mm. less well. But I don't tend to remember those things. Mm-hmm. It's best not to remember the ending yeah. <laughs> too well. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just get there and live with it. Yeah, and um, you know, it has a Zemeckis style sheen to it as Mm. well, which I enjoy. It's good. It's good. Uh, I would say too long, but still good. It does a noble. It's a noble stab at that thing of uniting uh, religion and science, which is. Mm. It's trying to do the same. It's got a Sagan esque kind of vibe to it. Again, again, uh, from from the point of view of my overarching theme here, positivity, optimism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, a sense that you know humanity is not entirely uh, doomed uh, that we have got a place in the cosmic civilization um, let's let's cling to that as we try and avoid the news uh, which space suggests force yes <laughs> space force yeah yeah there's definitely two ways of looking at the the skies um, wonder or war yeah wonder or war um, right so other choices who'd like to go next I could totally follow on from that. Go with, on, with you go, you do that it. I've got, which is um, dystopia. Um, they live. Ah, John Carpenter's John Carpenter's another hit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, they live isn't a science fiction film. It's not a fantasy film. It's just the world we're living in, and it was in the eighties, and it's and it's even more so now. Um, I wa- as I walked into the studio today down the canal um, here in Birmingham, there is a large piece of graffiti that just says they live uh, on one of the bridges so mm. you might be right i can only yeah. see it when i have my glasses on sorry it's it's it's, it's uh, the most fun film that shouldn't be fun like it should just be thoroughly depressing but uh you know that yeah it's just it's so this is a kind of so alien crazy. invasion kind of yes it's um a- aliens are basically embedded in it, kind of like the tv series v from the 80s mm. um which w- was a big firm favorite that was all uh, kind of um, Nazi allegory, mm. um, for, you know, um, and they live is in a sense as well, but it's more about a kind of cultural elite sort of uh, oppression of the, uh, you know, the, the working man, and 
it's all revealable with a pair of Ray-Bans, <laughs> which just which um, which tells you that you know all of the all of the uh, all of the barrage of advertising that you see every day and magazine covers and TV ads and everything is all just telling you the same basic kind of controlling I mean, It's messages. certainly not the most subtle not uh, subtle message, message, is it? But it is... Kind yeah. of a comic book movie. Yeah, yeah. But that's what makes it fun when it shouldn't be fun. It's, it's a depressing film uh, in the sense that it's just, it's just far too easy to, to, to watch it and say, well, yeah, that's, that's the world we live in. Yeah. That looks very recognisable. Um, and yeah, and it just has like some incredible stuff. Like the first half of it especially is that incredible stuff about... Um, uh, just you know the underclass yeah. uh, in, in America specifically but you know very translatable and how they're being oppressed and how they're they're, they're just yeah it's it's incredible and then it does turn into a much more goofy film at around about the point where there's like a nine minute wrestling scene <laughs> the, in the middle of it famously <laughs> a ridiculously yeah. long punch up it decides uh, to go in that direction yeah. <laughs> yeah. and then actually the reveal of the aliens themselves which oh, are incredible. Uh, incredible but also you know you know they've 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 not gone far from let's just put a mask no, on no, some it's, people. Yeah, it's very retro, sort of sixties outer mm. limits kind of yeah. sci-fi. Um, and I, I mean, I think better for it because, like I say, it does it does allow you to at least uh, kind of enjoy the film. I don't know if you watched the, the the Doctor Who episode where the the baddies are the the silence. That is um, absolutely brilliant and very much in the same vein. Mm. Um, the, the thing with the silences is they're around us all the time. But as soon as you look away from them, you forget mm-hmm. that they're there. But it's the same sort of message um, mm. as they live. So an excellent choice, Scott. Yeah, sorry, to, sorry to drag it down into a dystopia. No, no, we're, we're, <laughs> we've got the yin and yang going on here. Uh, I don't know how long I'm going to keep the positivity going. Um, so an, an excellent choice. That's uh, Scott Johansson's choice. They Live from John Carpenter. Tim, have you got to, anything to add? Any uh, or your film? Um, I'm just going to... I think that's a great choice, and I very much approve. My next pick is 2014's Jonathan Glazer film, Under the Skin, mm-hmm. uh, which was my film of 2014. Through the glass, I can see Lucy jumping up and down with glee. You approve uh, of this, don't you? Well, I mean, I'm sure Lucy will have many things to add to this. I mean, what a hideously beautiful... Um, overwhelming life force of a film this mm. is um, I've, there are very few films which go to such lengths to show the perspective of an alien living, walking through the streets of a city in this case Glasgow mm. um, there's a lot of things here that are both disturbing and also slightly satirical because of the fact that Jonathan Glazer got Scarlett Johansson to play an alien Um, but also look like Scarlett Johansson, albeit in a dark wig Mm. and dressed up, to effectively pick up men to attract them back to their lair, or her lair, sorry, and uh, strange things therein happen. Um, The bit that is really, really important about this film is the perspective of Scarlett Johansson walking through the streets of Glasgow through a shopping centre, past nightclubs, in her white van, and nobody in the real life, noticing that it's Scarlett Johansson, or that it's an alien. Imagine, this This is 2014, and if one tweet had got out that Scarlett Johansson was walking through the streets of Glasgow, mm. and nobody actually did. So they, did, they literally they, just they filmed this, didn't they? her driving around. Walking into department stores, choosing lipstick, mm. um, and allegedly Jonathan Glazer shot 270 hours of footage 
of this kind of thing. I'll, I'll sign up to watch that in a gallery or something. <laughs> yeah, we're in seventy hours of Scarlett Johansson wandering around Glasgow. There's, that a, sounds there's a more there's a more interesting thing at play here. I think one of the most striking things about this film is that uh, it blurs the lines between alien as an alien going to the planet Earth and the a- humans themselves becoming aliens. Mm. I think, mm. and that what happens is this kind of counterplay between an alien discovering her humanity or its humanity. I'm not being gender specific because there's things about that which is quite interesting. No, but it is the woman who fell to Earth. It's, it's, the, it's it very is. similar in the sense that the humans are just seen through this prism of yeah, and uh, it, uh, and it totally plays on a Nick mm. level. There's things about nature and as and she picks um she oh, that's picks up is the wrong word she attracts uh, a guy played at adam by adam pearson who mm-hmm. has neurovibrosis mm-hmm. back to his back to her, her lair and what happens to guys before him doesn't happen to this person because she forms a connection mm-hmm. on a human level and then she disappears off out of glasgow into the into the into the countryside into the landscape of of scotland mm and starts to get lost the man who fell to earth use mm. a perfect analogy mm. there and then humans start being less nice to her it's i know it's, it's probably not a film for everyone uh, i would say because it's it is so it's very dark and it it's very um deliberate pace and things so you know if you if you're not into slow films it could be a struggle for you yeah. but the i think the thing that's amazing about it is how much they didn't put in the film which, if you've read the book, you know there's a lot more background to what well, actually that's, that's the mechanics of what they're doing. I to love the, the book. And stuff. I mean, the book is 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 one of my favourites, and I was I wasn't disappointed in the film because it was completely you know it is a brilliant film, but it is so different, mm. um, and I was quite surprised. You know, it's almost but mainly because just of what they're left out in terms yeah. of the, the sort the, of mechanics. Yeah. Of, why what, she's it, there what these aliens are yeah. doing you, and stuff like you that. definitely do have to treat book and film in isolation oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's because it, as an adaptation it's very loose Jonathan Glazer took a specific thing from the book mm-hmm. and went with it and boy does it succeed um, and I, I, I think it's biggest tribute is that it evokes the best things from those early Nick Rogue films mm. there's a Kubrickian edge to it too mm-hmm. and the, the the score by Mika Levy That's incredible. is incredible yeah. The, 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 the sort of the flourishes of sin, of, of, of um, string and the, yeah, it's like the modern sort of classical sort of music, very disturbing and yeah, off key and and Johnny Burns sound design as well. Mm. But the the film actually is a victory at the end. Mm-hmm. It may be seen as a dark ending, and I'm not going to give away what happens. But mm. um, she finds one with nature, is what I'm going to mm. say. Mm-hmm. Um, there, are, I think it's a better ending than the book, personally. I think yeah. the ending in the book was fine, but I think what they, the direction they took it in terms of meaning and allegory and, you know, just turning turning it back on us to, yeah. you know, to consider, I think was was for a film. There was a much better ending. Michael than. Faber, who who wrote the book, he also wrote a book whose name now escapes me. The one who wrote after the Book of Lost Things or something, um, which was also about aliens and was made into a TV pilot. Um, with um, your guy out of Bodyguard in, uh, which I have seen, is is quite interesting. But again, um, very different view of aliens. You know? Yeah, and, lot, and that's about religion as well. Mm-hmm. There's lots of stuff here. I mean, I, I pick up on themes of sexuality. I think about, about the cult of celebrity. There is actually so, there is a real and a uh, mm. yeah, there is a real thing there. There was a deliberate choice mm. of picking Scarlett Johansson. In the same way, there was a deliberate choice in picking David Bowie as mm-hmm. the man mm-hmm. who fell to earth. 
they are they're playing iconic. they're iconic they mm. are playing on the times in which the films are set yeah. um, it's about as far you, about as far as you can get from Star Trek <laughs> Yeah, so TV series Star Trek Alien yeah. kind of yeah. interactions as you could get. It's, it's but, just so like a plunge in the other direction. <laughs> but what I do like is that the film actually. I mean, I think Jonathan Glazer talks about this in, in many of his interviews. The film does successfully desexualize Scarlett Johansson mm. in a really successful way. Yes, she's beautiful. Yes, she's in her undergarments. Yes, at one point she's even naked. But what that that, that what it does is it's showing an alien coming to terms with things and humans not coming to terms mm. with who they are mm. and the, the film really plays up the aliens of the humans by the end and, of the and just from a removed sort of perspective it's just fascinating watching these like kind of everyday Glaswegian yeah, blokes being picked up at the side of the road yeah, by they're, Scarlett they're normal Hansen. people and they're just yeah. like oh yeah you want to go down this there is, and this, is, Tesco's this and is fantasy oh, what, and I'm, I'll, I'll walk into that pool what's, what's going on <laughs> yes Scarlett whatever you say brilliant brilliant <laughs> choice an yeah. excellent choice Tim so that is uh, Michael uh, sorry Jonathan Glazer's uh, Under the Skin an excellent choice now um, we have uh, Lucy so to come and hopefully fixed your microphone now, Lucy. Can you speak? I well, I can certainly speak as to whether you can hear me or not. That's a different matter. It sounds perfect. <laughs> um, ju- just to um, reiterate what's just been said there, and Under the Skin was my favourite film of that year, and it's still incredible every time I watch it. It's beautiful how she starts off almost robotic and then develops this sort of slightly scared attachment to this shell she's gained and how she interacts with and engages with those around her it, it's just phenomenal and Michael Levi's score is something else, I listen to that a lot, which you would think it might be difficult to listen to on its own, but it it's wonderful um, Fantastic So I will bring it up a little bit to something more hopeful so hopefully excellent like that's that my team <laughs> the optimism team um i will go with the animation the iron giant ah. by brad bird based on the short story by ted hughes it's just lovely <laughs> it, it's great animation it's treated more like um artwork in terms of it, it's um, it's quite look sort of 50s style, it's isn't it? 50s mm. retro. Yes, and it's got a fantastic soundtrack again with a lot of um, jazz and rockabilly influence. And um, if you don't know the story, it's about a young boy who c- comes across a very disorientated ro- robot who just fell from space, and it's quite an allegory for Cold War and how that situation that was at the time it was written, but it's also still so relevant with humans reacting to things they don't understand with fear and aggression rather than compassion like this young boy does who is the innocence of a child being able to see that it can be something great Mm. rather than something threatening. And um, yeah, it's the only time Vin Diesel could ever make you cry. <laughs> he makes me cry regularly. Mm. Um, <laughs> but uh, must be able to see, see him in Saving Private Ryan, man. Um, fantastic choice. So, The Iron Giant, based on Ted Hughes' The Iron Man, I believe the, the book was called. I remember doing it at school. Um, fantastic choice, Lucy. Thank you very much for that. Now, 
We are in the uh, much excited, lauded part of the show, the middle of the show. Um, and <laughs> this is the point where I'm going to bring in the quiz. So, come in, Lucy. Uh, you want to come into into the? Well, I'm going to put. Uh, I'm going to set the tone. Here we go. Ooh. That's definitely set the tone. Sorry about that. <laughs> I feel like Lucy's trapped outside the airlock right now, and we're trying to... We're not letting her in. <laughs> it's not safe. We can't let them in. It's the inspections of the rules. We can't let them in. Don't quarantine. let it in. Don't let it in quarantine. We can't let it in. So, Ash, does, does, does anyone know what this is that I'm playing? Do you know what this is I'm playing? That's right. It's Jerry Goldsmith's Brilliant. main title from Alien. Um, and that's because I'm going to do a quiz about aliens. We're going to be good at this all. When I say aliens, I've got the four of the only four films about the H.R. <laughs> Gaga alien that were made. Alien. The only four, yeah. yeah. Alien, aliens, alien cubed, and alien resurrection. Um, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you four questions about the film and I'm going to do um, so as a team should we have team Scream Brum being Lucy and Tim and then we'll have our guest Scott now as you are our guest Scott would you like to go would you like to pick the film Alien or the or the film Aliens I'll go for Alien please okay Alien the original 1979 Ridley Scott film the tension there Okay. Really? First question. Which rock band provided the lights, the laser lights that were used for filming the egg chamber scene? Wow, that's such a great question. I know this in the back of my brain somewhere. I'm guessing Pink Floyd. No. Wow. It was. Excuse me. Okay. Apologies for the language <laughs> from Scott. This is there. what quizzes do to me. I'm so sorry. The I remember, I remember in the early days when I did Scream Brum, uh, sorry, when I did uh, stuff with Paul. You know, on a Monday afternoon, I used to frequently swear. We don't have that. We don't have that kind of language here. But there we are. I'm, I'm, I'm on a yellow card. The yeah. answer was the Who. Right. Okay. Yep. So, um, next question, Scott. Damn. In the, <laughs> there is a famous scene in the film where Jonesy the cat hisses and reacts uh, mm -hmm. to the alien. How did they get them to do that? Do you know? These are good questions, man. I feel slightly. Chagrined at the depth of these are good <laughs> questions, aren't they? Yeah, yeah that, that would be a bit more fun. The cat hissing was. Uh, did they squeeze a part of its anatomy? I don't no, know. It's, I it's, don't it's know. equally horrible, actually. They they put a German shepherd in front of him <laughs> and, they, and they hid it by a piece of cardboard, and then they suddenly lifted it no off. No way! And so he was actually reacting to a terrifying. Oh, I just thought it was creature. Harry Dean Stanton. <laughs> um, That's amazing. Who? Right. Question three. Who Anything was off, for the shop. Who was offered the role of Dallas? First, that was originally given to Tom Skerritt. Hmm. These are actually hard on those. They're really good. Uh, could I get a clue on this? Um, he is. He was someone who was very famous from a space film. Right. Okay. That's really narrowed it down. Mm. Is it? Mm, is it Harrison Ford? It is Harrison yes. Ford. Harrison Ford was originally offered the Tom Skerritt role. Mm -hmm. um, 
But he now, wanted to wear a fedora instead. <laughs> right. He ended up being decked instead. Alien. There's no way he would have been killed halfway through. Now, la- last question. The alien creature is on screen for not very long in this film. But mm-hmm. is it? I'll give you three chances. Is he on stage, uh, on screen for four minutes, five minutes, or eight minutes? Oh. Gosh. Mm. I'm just counting it in my head. So counting up all the grizzly bits. <laughs> I think it's got to it's got to be a surprisingly low yeah. figure I think probably 5 4 minutes. minutes I would have gone with 4 or 5 4 yeah. minutes yeah. the alien is on screen very total it's amazing yeah. isn't it's it is good isn't it's it it's throughout that entire film of course but only on screen for 4 minutes so questions. at the end of round 1 Mr Scott Johansson our guest has 1 point um, now it's time for team screen brum aliens um, that is t- uh, Tim and Lucy we ended up with aliens sorry aliens. Lucy okay there's two more rounds after this, don't we? Oh. In Aliens, yes. there was only enough budget for six hypersleep pods, and the rest had to be made visible by clever use of mirrors. Yeah. True or false? I'd say true. I'd say true as well. True. Scott is looking very horrified. To be fair, that's, that's a, he, we've, he's been given really th- hard questions which require no true or false, and you've given <laughs> us a true or false. Oh, so no, I'm fine. Right, you've right. narrowed us to All 50-50. Right. Okay, how sure. ma- oh, here's a hard one. How many times does Hudson, which is the character of Bill Baxton, how many times does he say the F word in the film? Oh, I reckon double figures. You reckon 10, 12? It's got to be more than that. He um, ad-libs most of them, doesn't he? Let's go face it. I'd love to um, see a James Cameron script. 24? <laughs> Do you know what? You, the, it said 25 times in the whole film, uh, but Hudson says it 18 wow, of those times. Okay. <laughs> He's in the 24. And apparently he had to constantly apologise because of the young the, the, the young girl who played Newt on set, and he was constantly apologising for I'm swearing. Uh, but, <laughs> yes. I apologise for I am the Hudson. <laughs> uh, okay, question, question three. Which animal was used, uh, with the sound of which animal was used as the basis of the noise for alien screams? Was it a baboon? A lion, a fox, or a human child? I think it might be a baboon. I'll go with that. I actually don't know. Can anybody actually do that noise? (laughs) It's a baboon. You're right. You were were doing a dinosaur sound effect there, weren't you? Uh, Right. Final question on this round. So hang on a minute. You're on um, Scream Team. Team Scream Bummer on two. Team Scott Johansson is on one. One more question for you. you got what, the what is the name of the colony that the humans set up on the planet? Um, LV426 or 7, I can't remember. Sounds We're going right. to need the final answer. <laughs> you go with 6 or 7, Lucy? 7. 7. What was that? LV426. Uh, no, you see, you haven't listened to the question properly. The colony is Hadley's Hope. That is the name of the planet that they were on. Okay, so oh, you're still oh, in it, I'm Scott. Still a good answer. Yeah. Might not be Can the I right get, one for that question. Still geeky. But still a Can good I get answer. some Mac and Me questions? There is, there is, there is. Apparently, if, I can't remember what the, the actual number is of the planet, but it creates a date. Oi, looking at the questions. No, no, um, it, it creates a date, and apparently there is an alien day. I think something like mm-hmm. the seventh of April or something is alien day because it is the planet uh, name. But there we go. Hadley's Hope is the name of the colony. Right now, do you want some music? to create an air of tension or do you want to go straight into the next round next music? round that's going well we'll have some music let's have a little bit of music because I wanted to play this this is um, 
Matt Berry, um, who many of you will know as the man with the most amazing voice in the world. Um, and he also does uh, music. And he's this week's released an album. He has a great of, prog band. He has who a great prog band. Who I've seen live. And he has released an album of TV theme tunes. Yeah. Um, and it's all very kind good. of it's all kind of stuff from our well our you know stuff from the from the seventies and eighties. So it's like uh, World of Sport. And he used to play like Sorry on yeah, stage. And sorry. He's well, done. One time we saw him, he started. He launched into uh, the Jim will fix it theme, um, and then just sort of. Well, let's let's hear him do Doctor Who. Now, you'd think that the original can't really be improved on, but I think that's an absolutely brilliant version and quite worthy of of being on the program. Quite enjoyed the uh, swing mm. vibe, and I I for one want to be on the record as saying I really love the new Doctor Who as well. I think she's brilliant. She is ace. Yeah. Um, so um, we were. Uh, we were in a quiz we were in a quiz thank you um, those of you that are playing on at home Feathers and Wings also guessed Pink Floyd for the light show which is actually the Who using the light show oh well um, <laughs> and um, but no one else seems to be uh, objecting too much we also um, just in relation to the Iron Giant we talked about earlier we also had someone Carl Josby hello Carl has tweeted in hey, that um, um, the Iron Giant is also appears in Steven Spielberg's Ready Player One or should I call it Steven Spielberg's terrible Ready Player wrong, One. Wrong, wrong, <laughs> wrong. Let's move on. So Isn't it easier just to tell to say what's not in Ready Player One? <laughs> yes, that's true. Doctor Who possibly is. I, I, yeah, we're not going there. Like, <laughs> right, I disagree not, with you. We're not going so back in that one. Yeah, we're, opening. We're, we're, I'm being positive. Right now, we were doing an alien quiz and it was very well poised. So Tim and Lucy Beth um, are on two points and Scott Johansson uh, is on one point and very respectable it's a very respectable uh, you can now choose your final your final questions are they going to be on Alien 3 or Alien Cubed or Alien Resurrection no Alien 3 Alien 3 can I say I've only seen Alien Resurrection once Mm. I've seen Alien 3 about 20 times you've made a good tactical choice there then Scott can we not both do Alien 3 in that case I'd feel it was well I'll just chip in if I think it's wrong Right. Now, um, the, the production of Alien 3 is very much, uh, I think the classic description is troubled. Mm. Um, to the extent where they started production before they finished a script, how much was spent, this is amazing, how much was spent on sets that were never used because the script changed the location before they actually started filming? Was it $1 million, $4 million, or $7 million? Bearing in mind this is 1996, I think. Uh, I'll Go for seven. I'd go high as well. Correct. Yeah. Seven million dollars was spent on sets that they never mm. used. Um, one possible idea for the film, um, one of the things they did was they the, there was a chestburster that was going to come out of Michael Bean's character, mm-hmm. Michael Bean from Aliens, um, who you know killed off in the beginning of Alien Three, um, and he was supposed to be dying on that. Um, he, they actually made um, a, a, a dummy of him with his chest burst mm-hmm. open. Um, you can see it very briefly. Well, apparently he thought that. It, apparently he's you know he's killed by he's not killed by Chesper's but something else. But he threatened to sue the producers for using his likeness without mm-hmm. his consent. Um, so they had to use a non-identifiable replica. But well, they had something play through his face. I think. Yeah. Yeah. But they th- apparently his his his, his <laughs> there fo- you go his, face. his, fo- his photograph <laughs> appears in the film. Take that bean. <laughs> his, his photograph appears in the film just briefly mm, on a screen, mm-hmm. and apparently he get he got paid more for that than he did for wow. all his acting yeah. role in Aliens. <laughs> well done. <laughs> so good work. So um, so that's a good point there for uh, Scott. In the cinema release of this film, the alien hatches out of a dog. Mm-hmm. Dog. But it was actually originally filmed as hatching from another animal. 
I know this. What was it? Is it an ox? It was yeah. an ox or a cow. Actually, the director's, director's got heavy yeah, points again. Yeah. I find that whole scene very upsetting. Oh, it horrible. is. It's horrible. It's both horrible. both scenes. And also, I, it's the best bit of the film because it's got the uh, the allegory with the as every seed bursts. Yes, and then that's the, right. It's quite good. That scene. Mm. That, that's, that's the weird nice. scene for me. Well, the film is a bit weird for me. Charles Dutton, isn't it? Yeah, but the guys in that scene. Charles Dutton. Here's an interesting fact for you. Charles Dutton. He he plays a convict in this film. He previously was a convict, and the guy who played Sergeant. Apone in Aliens um, was previously also a Marine Sergeant as well really? and he was the first black Sergeant the first black uh, Marine to be promoted to Sergeant in Vietnam Wow! there you go you can tell I I've been spending this week reading Aliens <laughs> trivia apologies sorry look into my eye look into my eye exactly um, sorry so where we are so you got that one yep so Alien 3 oh, is dude. definitely your category Scott the Alien looks different in this film compared to the previous two films. It does. I think the word you're looking for is not good. <laughs> what has been <laughs> removed from the design? Because uh, mm, it's a completely different alien. It's, it's, there's one substantial piece of anatomy that's changed. I guess it... Mm. Mm. Well, it has a tail. It has a tail. It, it has a... Got some doggy an extended uh, cranium. Does it not have the uh, extending teeth? No, it does. It's not, it it does. doesn't. What it is? It doesn't have pipes on its back. Pipes. Oh, the, the alien uh, in the first two films always say pipes, pipes on their back. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> two points. Pipes. <laughs> it's three versus two. This is getting too exciting. Richard E. Grant was offered the role that Charles Dance took. This was because That's what I want to see. this was because mm. David Fincher was a huge fan of what? He wasn't, was he? Monty, you terrible! It's got to be with now. It has got with now because Paul McGann and Ralph Brown are also in Alien Three, and he wanted the three of yeah. them back together. Wow! <laughs> How mental would that be? How ace is that? I know. As as the producers of the film complained to Fincher why why have we got all these bald limey blokes running around in the dark <laughs> I mean I, I watched it the other day it's, it's just Brian Glazer it's a you know Brian, Brian Glover, Glover yeah doing doing this funeral thing doing doing the Hovis advert it's fantastic yeah. Yeah. there we go brilliant so an absolute um, three out of four Scott is now on four points Tim and Lucy are on three and your questions are on Alien Resurrection. You can give me any other Jean-Pierre Jeunet films. Okay. Are you, are you ready, Lucy? Oh, dear. Lucy, can you hear us? Um, just about. Okay. Um, are you ready to go with go these questions? It. Can you yeah. hear the questions? Um, yes, hopefully. Uh, okay, I'm turning you up. Um, the character of Dr. Wren in Alien Resurrection was originally written for which actor? Hmm? No, no choices. That's it. Oh, you've gone. You've gone like alien questions now. <laughs> okay. You've gone from Originally written for which character? Is that the Win Doctor Wren? Is that Winona yeah. Ryder's character? No, it's um, the oh gosh, what's it called? The guy, of, um, 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 the guy out of the guy out of one the Cuckoo's Nest. Okay. Yes. You know what's he called? Anyway, one of the main characters was written as another actor. It's all right if you don't know. I can't even remember. I can't. So, um, yeah, I don't even know Doctor... Who was Dr. Wren in Alien Resurrection? He's the... One of the evil scientists. He's the evil scientist, yeah. yeah. The, the Look, it's okay for you not to know. I don't know, Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> I, I put this in deliberately for you, Tim. You said one or two of the cookers. Bill <laughs> Murray. <laughs> oh, Bill well, Murray. Oh, wow. See, films get better, don't they, because oh, no. of hindsight. <laughs> um, who wrote the script? 
for alien resurrection. Oh, is it? Um, it's it's just is it just no. Yes, yes, Joss Whedon. Yes, yeah, that yeah. was uh, Scott yeah. gave it away a bit there with his dad. I remember it's Joss Whedon. Yeah, Joss Whedon That's wrote right. the script, and he was apparently unhappy with it because it was made. It what, the script wasn't altered, but I think he generally intended it all to be much more tongue in cheek, much more kind of sort of slightly camp and a bit more. Erg- I think he was unhappy with it because yeah. when he finished the draft and read it, he realised it was not good. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, I could have told it's him. It's a wonderful that. thing, right? Um, this is not a question, but it's interesting. I'll put it as a little little leader. Um, in the alien, the alien is different. In this, the final alien that we see at the end has got a new part of its anatomy, which the other aliens didn't. What is it? Well, it, it gives birth as a human. Yeah, it's got eyes. Oh, the aliens. The, the only one that has eyes. Actually, oh, it actually, um, it actually scares me as well. That one. It's horrible. It's, it's horrible. The, the way it gets disposed of is horrible it's as well. Gross. It's quite gross. It's got a weird little nose. Tongue. It's got yeah. a nose thing. Well. Yeah. It's got a kind of, yeah, proboscis. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I see ugly things on the bus. Now, um, so you're, ugly, you're eh? on, you guys are on three. So this one is to pull. Ironically, I think I did them better with resurrection. This one, alien. This one is to pull level. There's two more questions. The alien two more questions were the hardest ones. <laughs> Winona Ryder's character um, in the film. Yes. Uh, the part was originally offered to Angelina Jolie. True. Or false? I wish it was, because that might be more entertaining. So, is it true or is it false? What are you going with? I'd go with false because Winona Ryder was bigger at that time. And riding the crest of a race, yeah. it's true. Oh, God. She okay. was offered the part, and also other other people offered in this, which is mind blowing. Um, not offered, but considered David Cronenberg as director. Would have been a better film. Um, other people that were offered the directing job apparently Danny Boyle. Mm. And Peter Jackson. That would have been a horror film. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been. That was. That was. That was. That was. I mean, great directors. And again, you just think the script was still terrible. And mm. I wonder how many turned it down before mm. Jean Pierre Jeunet took it. I think almost anybody would have been a better fit than Jeunet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, I really I like the underwater fans, bits. Yeah, there's some um, cool stuff in it. And um, yeah. Dominique Pinon turns up. Ah, it's a Jeune film. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the final, the final question. Now, this is the one. Um, you we, can either make tight? it a draw. Oh. This no, this this is, this draw. is for drawing, okay. um, and uh, or uh, otherwise Scott will win. This is an overarching question. Now, this is not a question about Alien Resurrection, or is it? Because the question is, which of the four Alien movies of the only four Alien movies that have been made uh, <laughs> is the shortest? So, of Alien, Aliens, Alien Resurrection, and Alien Cubed, which one? Is the shortest. Could I clear up for them well, that no, this is special. not director's cuts? No, this is original yeah, theatrical. It's actually um, it's well. Let's take on the original on the. But even so, it's the same. Doesn't matter. Okay. Because Alien Special Edition is yeah. long. Two and a half. No, it's twenty, 20 long. odd minutes longer than the original. Long. Yeah. Aliens is still a long film. Which is the shortest? I mean, Alien is an. I mean, I still think Alien. For some reason, I'm not going to. I'd have to agree with that. But <laughs> you would go with Alien Three. I think well? I'd go with Three. Yeah. I would go Three. It's no. Alien. It's Alien Resurrection. Oh, 109 really? minutes, quite significantly shorter. That just feels the longest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's about three days long. I think uh, it's in, the Spartacus in, of Alien movies. <laughs> mental times. 
yeah, yeah. I actually thought, uh, yeah, because I thought it'd been stripped down as much as it could be mm. that film. You yeah, know, they, they made they, they made the best. Of the they could probably strip it down by another hundred nine minutes, I'd say. They stripped it down by seven million dollars as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they made. I mean, I think I think originally it was going to take place in like a wooden planet or something, and they built like a whole set out of wood, yeah. which they didn't use. And I think they had like some sort of. They originally wanted the alien to be transparent and all sorts of crazy stuff that was yeah. gone on. And it sounded like they just sort of made it up as they went along a little they bit. They got cold feet basically on Vincent Ward's original idea. Mm. Well, that's a pity. Now. Um, we are. We've got half an hour left of the show, and we still have some more um, of our alien films uh, to to go through. So let's pick uh, another choice each, if we will. Um, thank you, everyone, for your contributions. Um, and as ever, I'm going to jump in and get first, and I'm going to go with a little bit of. Um, I'm, I'm breaking slightly my rule of benign, and perhaps go with <laughs> indifferent aliens, um, because I want to choose. Oh, that, that subcategory yeah, of the, the different aliens, <laughs> bored aliens. We're on Earth, don't matter. Um, 2001's, two, sorry, 2010's Monsters, directed by uh, Gareth Edwards, oh. of course went on to make Star Wars Rogue One, featuring lots of aliens. So this is a film um, um, which is, the aliens uh, have come to, uh, are invading Earth essentially. They're but just there. Yeah, they're just, they're just <laughs> animals and plant life that are just there and pay very little attention to, to the human race. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's set in a, uh, a world in which the, the aliens have landed on the US-Mexico border. And, um, you know, in a crazy piece of wild fantasy, the aliens, uh, the Americans have built a large wall across the US-Mexico border to, or in order to keep the aliens out. So you can see the subtle, the subtle <laughs> metaphor uh, that's going on there. But it's just a beautiful film. Um, just, just visually. Um, I just recommend you, you, you don't look at this, don't, whatever you do, don't watch the sequel. It's um, a triumph of no budget filmmaking yeah. because a film like that shouldn't be as good as it, it is. It really is. You it know, looks The acting fabulous. and the script and the, the actual, everything outside of the visual effects, yeah. which is what the guy was known for. Yeah. You'd think this is going to be another one of those movies where there's great visual effects. Like, what's that one? Um, uh, where they're fighting aliens on a rooftop. Skyline, is it? Yeah. Skyline's terrible because mm. there's nobody in it that you give a crap about. Yeah. And, uh, but in. <laughs> Monsters. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's and it's beautifully sumptuous mm. landscapes, all outdoors, um, and just and, and very sort of. It's a it's a love story for romance. It's um, you it's know I could say cool. it's a it's a it's a it's a I'd say it's almost like a romance road trip mm. with aliens. Um, so I'm you know they're not benign. No, it's quite um, touching at the end as well. I found mm. with the uh, I didn't spoiler it, but very very worth seeing for the. Big, big, big finale with the, with the finale, aliens. Yeah, a really intimate kind yeah. of thing going. Um, great. And yes, a, I think it is being adapted for TV series as well. Um, which I don't know what the point of that would be. I could say there is a, there is a, a bizarre sequel mm. which is just awful and very much feels like it was a film that started off being a completely mm -hmm. non-science fiction film and then they decided to put some aliens in halfway <laughs> through. Weird film. Um, so yeah, that's my choice. 2010s. Gareth Edwards directed Monsters. Tim, would you like to join us? Uh, still computing. Um, if anyone else wants to go next, because I've got <laughs> a large list and I've got to pick one more. Scott's putting I'll his hand up. Bullet. Yeah, um, I'm going to cheat a little bit because I wanted to mention another dark um, abduction-y type film, um, but I'm not going to end on that because actually, like you, I'm more of an optimist, ultimately. But my, ha my last Halloween, sci-fi horror Halloween alien film is Extro. 
which um, is <laughs> that's that's got Tim's funny bone. Um, Extra is um, an early, I think it's eighty one, eighty two, something like that. Um, British, um, more horror than science fiction, really. Uh, uh, um, very very grimy, um, you know, um, dark, um, gory, and strange. It's really surreal. Um, so yeah, if you haven't seen Extra. I, I strongly recommend it if you if you like eighties um, horror. Yeah, the effects are surprisingly good as well. I think it's got some really really cool stuff in it. Uh, it's goofy, very goofy, um, but they they were just shamelessly doing the ET thing because I think it must be eighty two because it came out the same year as ET. And I think I think the poster said something like not all ETs are friendly. <laughs> they, were just, they were just shameless about their their. Uh, their but I'm going to end. I mean, very briefly, I'm going to end on. Um, one of my all-time favourite films, which um, is Explorers, uh, River Phoenix, mm. and um, what's his face, Ethan Hawke, and another dude who probably never acted again. I don't think three young boys who um, uh, contacted by aliens. One of them's a sort of science geek, and uh, they're contacted in their dreams by aliens, and they build a spaceship, and things happen, and they do make contact but it goes in a very strange direction it becomes quite funny do they make a spaceship out of a bin or something yeah they make it make it out of a carnival ride one of those sort of round um waltzer type things yeah it's really charming beautiful film uh perfect family sort of weekend um alien movie and uh, one of my favorites uh, an excellent choice and I'm very glad that you mentioned there albeit in the context of Zex- Extro ET the um, reason I say that is we have had a tweet in from Carl Josby who has said he will never listen again if we don't mention ET um, so we are mentioning <laughs> that's ET that's a fair point really we are mentioning <laughs> ET I mean obviously it's one of the things that possibly just is writ so large across never seen it the alien, <laughs> the alien film Scott is claiming not to have seen it which what's is, that what's ET frankly absurd I remember my sister uh, and all her friends going to see it um, for her birthday and um, they all had they were all issued with a box of tissues as they went in because they would be crying wow. so much a bit um, presumptuous yeah a little bit <laughs> a little bit excessive but uh, yeah great obviously we all love E.T. right um, yeah. I'm getting a shake of a head from Lucy Lucy, you're not a fan of ET. I'm afraid not. Oh, what kind of an inhuman person are you? I, I think it's terrifying. I, I actually think it's horrifying. Yeah. I, I can't handle it. Okay. That's a that's a point of view. That's a point of view. This is from a woman who yesterday watched what was it? Space Zog or something. What was the film Space you were talking about? Space Amoeba. Zog the monster from space. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. But ET is terrifying. She can't. She, 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 yeah. I find that. Um, I find the the contrast between ET and some of the things you watch. <laughs> the Space Amoeba. Uh, it's far far worse. Yeah. Far worse. Okay, well, there we are. That's that's why we love Screen Brum. Everyone has a different point of view. I think you have to have... There is a leap of imagination involved with E.T. Because it is just a walking pile of garbage rubber that's with big Hoover, eyes. Hoover, Hoover it's attachment. Just, it's terrible. Yeah. It's really terrible. I mean, even uh, they thought it was terrible. Yeah, it must have It must have been terrifying to make because it must have looked uh, rubbish. Has anybody, like a light bulb I am vaguely terrified. You know, there is things in it that are vaguely terrifying. There, you know, there are. The, the sick the sick alien, the, mm-hmm. the, intera- the act interaction between, uh, you know, Elliot and E.T., the, the, the bond, and it, it's terrifying on a human level. If, if you think there are scary um, things in E.T., I strongly recommend seeking out, uh, I think it's called... 
SETI. There's a Turkish version of E.T. That sounds brilliant. Because Turkey did their own versions of all of those big yeah. movies like Star Wars and Superman and what have you. Super cheap one. Baddie. Yeah. It's called Baddie. B-A-D-I. <laughs> and it is terrifying. It's like they're not even trying to make a family film. It's just horrific. And yeah. Well, Mac and Me, think, of course, on say is, is Mac and Me is, you know, it's an improvement on the original E.T. I'll just say that to annoy <laughs> Carl Josbury. Um, so, so, Tim, have you got a, a choice for us? Yeah, for I, I've, I've sort of um, was debating whether to do this, but I, I am going to go with um, I'm going to go with uh, Galaxy Quest. Um, oh, good call. Because it is about real people, real actors ending up in a in real alien worlds. And of course, uh, Stan Winston, uh, you know the legendary Stan Winston, actually makes really scary aliens with with a com- comedic Star Trek edge. I mean, obviously, it's a st- it's a it's a it's a tribute and a love story, love poem to Star Trek, and um, everyone in the film um, is just genius and comedic. Very um, ahead of its time as very, well. It very feels like it's it's sort of just like the, those films weren't being made mm. when when Galaxy Quest came out. Those kind of meta sort of films, and now we've just got. Well, the, the Seth, Seth MacFarlane has a TV series called The Orville, mm. which, which is really essentially the same thing. Yeah, and, and actually, it's, it's quite. It is essentially quite similar in terms of, except of it, it, it is fiction. It's still a fictional world and a, yeah, and a still futuristic. Real space, yeah. It has a strange tone to it that you can't quite pinpoint. Yeah. how much of it is just meant to be taken as a show, and yeah, how much of it's tribute and. And then, you know, when, you know and it's you know one of those few sort of times where you go and watch a Tim Allen film. Generally, um, and Tim Allen just 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 channeling the the William Shatner mannerisms mm. down to a T. The sitting in the chair, the the expression against his uh, expression, you know, holding holding his hand against his face, looking Ooh, yeah, and, and and seeing these seeing these actors become heroes in the real and as and in in a real world environment where aliens actually have I gone? No, you're just going a bit crackly. I'm I've sorry. gone crackly. Oh, I see your headphones again. It's a, it's mm-hmm. a bit like the scream of uh, science fiction films as well in in that it plays on the rules Mm. so you've got the Sam Rockwell character as the red shirt who's just obsessed with the idea that he's (laughs) going to die and they were doing all of that sort of stuff with it as well which was it plays up the whole Star Trek convention theme yeah, you know, yep. and Alan Rickman, yeah. who's just genius, the tired actor. No, you know, do I have to say this line again? You know, and, <laughs> you know, I grab Thar's hand <laughs> and and all that kind of stuff. You know, playing the reluctant science fiction actor and um, Sigourney Weaver. Um, again, she, throughout her career, she's played on the fact that she's been Ripley, and then plays against type. Or she appears in a voiceover like she does in Wall-E. You know, and uh, she does, she does, she does play on her. Uh, her legendary status mm. by playing completely against type here, um, and it's so funny. And the, and the and the best bit is just um, Tim Allen being William Shatner taking on the alien in, a, in a, on a desert planet, you know, and stripping down to his yeah. top, <laughs> just playing up. up. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I know it's kind of me playing the sci-fi card, but it actually is about real actors going into an alien environment. Yeah, so that's a great idea. Um, that's my an choice. excellent Galaxy an Quest. Yeah. Excellent choice. Excellent choice. Um, now, uh, Lucy, are you going to be able to narrow down to one more film for us? Um, yeah. it's, I'm not sure I can completely get away with it being exclusively an alien film, but one of my favourite things I've seen this year, The Endless, um, oh. and directed, produced and acted by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. And you never 
quite explicitly see the aliens, but they're present in every single scene of the film. And it's about two brothers who escaped a UFO cult as teenagers and returned to it years later. And their memories are possibly skewed on how bad it was when they were there. And it plays a lot with time loops and dimensions and not just the thought of is it aliens or not mm. and if you haven't seen it it's um, really great and there's the sister film to it Resolution which is about two of the characters who appear in The Endless and it focuses on their time loops mm. and how it interacts with the the UFO I've presence. not heard of this film, I have to say, it sounds great. It reminds me a bit of, um, did you see uh, Midnight Special? Mm. Yeah, I um, similar Midnight kind of ideas, but um, it's great. And is that, is that, do you say that came out this year? Um, yeah. Well, the, I think the official release date was last year, but it didn't get over here until this year, and it only had a minimal release. Mm. It was a weird one for me. I really liked that film a lot. I agree with you completely. I think it's it's needs to be seen more. Um, and those guys are doing really interesting. Like if Midnight Special was the sort of eighties Spielbergy kind of version of that story, mm. quite retro Stranger Thingsy, and this one's more seventies and sort of very much a character piece with the two brothers and stuff. But I was responsible <laughs> responsible for that being programmed for Flatpak Festival this year and it was only after the festival that I realised that I'd contributed three UFO based things this year mm. and it completely totally passed me by that that was the case so I was thinking I was looking hard in the mirror what was going on this year I was well like, maybe you're being manipulated <laughs> by well, the worldly intelligence it's time for me to reveal <laughs> <laughs> ah it's Tim Wilson as long as when I reveal myself I can be one of those like crappy um, the V aliens yeah. that are just the lizard masks with some with a face stuck over them, you know we and we are hamsters. we are very welcoming. Wow, wow, we're very welcoming <laughs> on this show. Um, thank you, everyone. Um, I'm going to play uh, one more track, and then we're going to come back and maybe have a little rundown of our favourite alien beasties uh, in film. So let us know if you have any alien beasties that you uh, particularly like in film, any alien creatures. And I also want to play a track from um, someone who I believe may be an alien because they are so, uh, just perfect in every possible way um Cara Delevingne right Cara Delevingne model um we know actor we know who knew also brilliant singer um uh, because she sang this on on the soundtrack to the alien space film Valerian and the something or other city of a thousand aliens or something um, which in itself is a Luke Besson film um, but um, yeah but she sings your step she's makes great. me freeze but I can't I love that. Uh, that's Cara Delevingne from the Valerian and the... Let's try to actually find out what the full name of it is. Cause Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Because um, that makes total sense. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's... It's, it's, it's got... Re- it's got what I was just saying is, is it, there's a great... Rihanna is great in it, actually. Um, Rihanna, who's... The only other acting I've seen her do is in another alien film, Battleship. Surely the only film based on a board game. <laughs> There is out there. I was, oh, no, no. I, was with, I was talking. I was with someone this morning who stood up for Battleship. I didn't get reasons why, but she liked it. Yeah. Okay. Someone has to. I someone guess. Has to. I always like the fact that someone stands up for something. Yes. Exactly. Mac and me. 
the greatest film ever made. Um, yeah. So we, we've got we've got uh, a few minutes left of the show. We could go through some honourable mentions and perhaps some alien creatures that we particularly admire. Yeah. Um, took me a lot. A lot of Star Trek we didn't we didn't explicitly mention in our oh, rundown. So um, exactly. So many. Um, but Star Trek obviously has, for me, the character of Spock. Oh, I think someone's is someone using their phone. Oh, I so think that's possibly what's happening. So sorry. Um, the, the character of Spock is great because he's, his alienness is not related to his funny costume and his pipe sticking out his back or anything or his green skin. It's his his alien the alienness of human interactions and how kind of that kind of idea that well uh, the uh, biggest the biggest thing about Spock is he's grappling his half human nature exactly yeah. um, and 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 I love that um, and and of course the whole program the influence the program has had is. Uh, I've got a great quote from Whoopi Goldberg, who was in some of the Star Trek films. Apparently, when she saw it as a kid, and she saw Uhuru, said, uh, "She's a quote saying there's a black woman on the television and she ain't no maid." Um, was was uh-huh. you know we forget how transgressive or how important those things were. Yeah, no, the, in, the uh, interracial kiss thing. I mean, yeah, it was a big thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so Spock is one of my uh, one of my one of my number one aliens that I haven't chosen yet. But other other honourable mentions I have were 2001, of course. Mm for the visuals if nothing else and the soundtrack and um, the aliens are quite discreet in that they they're, are. they're they're a bit kind of again text messaging <laughs> <laughs> we're thinking of coming back Stanley maybe Kubrick um, sorry Stanley Kubrick alien I Stanley thinking. Kubrick could well be <laughs> an alien um Doctor Who we've talked about just the sheer joy you of do Doctor, two hours Who. On that. Doctor Who um and um someone else um Feathers and Wings um has tweeted us batteries not included which was another great, great. one. Um, it's the writing debut of Brad Bird. Brad Bird wrote that. We've already touched on. Um, we went on to the Incredibles and all the rest of it. So um, batteries not included. Great one. Like that little tiny, little tiny alien spaceships. Um, and another one I'd like to make another mention of is Annihilation. Mm. Alex Garland's um, mind trip. Um, That's where aliens send us a bubble. Yeah, yeah. Which why wouldn't they? Um, <laughs> And uh, and they come and uh, and do strange things. I love that film. Thought it was beautiful. Never got to see it on this big screen. Alas. Can I mention sexy vampires? Please from space. Do. <laughs> as as I mean, there's no films about them, but I just like no uh, life force. I have to mention because life that's force. that's a great '80s um, from Toby Hooper, who directed Poltergeist and mm. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And yeah, sexy vampires from space. It's a British and, one, isn't it? Yeah, uh, massive budget. Patrick um, Stewart in that. Patrick Stewart's in it. <laughs> and um, so lots of people that aren't very famous yeah. um, but it's a great it film it's, it it's a great sort of sprawling epic silly um, vamp- space vampire yeah. saga we like a space vampire here and there and, and a, a, a weird um, sort of very deep cut one uh, if you're into things like Close Encounters where it's about sort of first encounters with you know and all that x Filesy type stuff there's a film from the 80s called Wavelength which is uh, mid '80s with a soundtrack by Tangerine Dream. Uh, it's a very '80s movie, but it's it's very much about you know a first contact story um, set in the desert and people finding out things they shouldn't and having to run from you know. It's, it's just a, a really nice little well-made uh, sort of cult movie 
So I would look into that if that's kind of what you're yeah. into. Yeah, well, the Tangerine Dream yes, soundtrack. Great I soundtrack. am there for it. Very 80s. Uh, excellent. That you're you're going to have to move your phone. I'm afraid, Scott. Is it, interfering. It's not on at the moment. So Something is interfering with it. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> um, you will not be invited back. <laughs> Insert the mic into. The um, uh, maybe it's you, Tim. I don't know. Someone someone is in is not what they seem in this room. <laughs> Someone here is Mork. Wait, uh, let me just power down. Giving off, uh, mm. giving off waves. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, anything else? Um, alien creatures, perhaps, or you know, um, famous a- favorite ones. I don't know. It's usually you that goes just goes to TV. Um, Blake. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. What should I pick from the Oliver Postgate era? Oh, let's do the Clangers just for a, just, just for something. Yeah, that's a nice little, uh, cute little uh, interlude. Isn't it? Lovely creatures on a blue planet. Oh, you've got them. No, I just want to play that again. <laughs> uh, um, what else? Um, uh, from the Star Trek universe, I will pick the Borg. Um, They're the ones in the big square. Wow. I mean, when you got to the end of season three of Star Trek The Next Generation and Catherine Picard gets taken hostage by the Borg and then at the end of season three, he is a Borg. End of season three. You're like... Whoa! You know, you used to get home from school and watch that at six o'clock. Remember, yeah. on a, was it what night? Is it Tuesday, Wednesday? I can't remember now. It holds up as well, and it holds up as really well written, really scary. Mm, and then, and then they, they then they decide, and then they decide. Let's get Jonathan Frakes into direct, and then let's let's do this. Let's get the ball back for first contact. And you say, okay, we can we can wipe out the memory of Star Trek Generations. Malcolm McDowell aside, we can wipe out the memory of Star Trek Generations and really have a great film and get the Borg and get Alice Krieger in the Queen and then have a subplot involving Data's human emotions and then also get James Cromwell in. And they still, at the heart of it, you get the Borg, who are uber They're scary great buddies, aren't they? and badass. And that was the, that was a real radical turn, a real real thing to get the ball. Uh, up there with the Cybermen for emotionless mm. robotic yeah. space critters. Well, for, for my, I'm, I'm a little bit older than you guys, so the Cylons did that for mm. me. Yeah. From Battlestar Galactica, they're using passive robots with the... Wheel, wheel. Yeah, that little thing that went across like in... Uh, it, was like the, it was like a mini version of Knight Rider. <laughs> it wasn't... Well, Glenn A. Larson. I always think that Glenn A. Larson took the, took the thing from the Cylons and put it onto Kit. Yeah, that's probably what it is. Maybe, Maybe I don't see him in quite such a benign way now. Yeah. <laughs> Enslaved humanity. i Glenn Larson's house is... <laughs> <laughs> All his life potential. <laughs> Dude, can we switch things off? Is it? Oh, <laughs> I always wanted one of those joysticks uh, off the off the off the uh, off the spacecraft. Oh, in Battlestar Galactica. Mm. Yeah, Lorne Green, man, what a legend. Oh yes, right. Man. So, any no, other sorry. aliens? Any other aliens? Can I mention um, the thing? Oh yes, of course. Say because the thing is one of the great, the great uh, horror aliens. It's just per- a perfect concept. And of you're waiting for it. It's when you're waiting for it. That's oh. the scary bit. It's the suspense of waiting for it. It's a brilliant, a brilliant kind uh, of timing thing as well with the thing where the, to to remake it. At that time, at the height of kind of mechanical and prosthetic effects, and now we just look back at it as this golden era, and that yeah. was the ultimate. You know, Rob Bottin just giving full rein to his imagination it's the and his most abilities. Unpleasant and thing I think I've ever it's seen incredible. on screen. Incredible. So it's still upsetting. You know, I think oh. for if you haven't seen that film, if you see, if you see it in the theatre, especially, it would just be so visceral and upsetting and full on. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, two more for me. Um, I will. My favourite Doctor Who of recent years is a Moffat of all things. Not often we say that, but um, it's the uh, you know, don't blink, weeping angels. The weeping angels are brilliant. Um, and uh, I, I have, I still have a massive affection for Wookies. So that's me. <laughs> that's better. 
that was Tim's Wookiee impression there. Excellent. Lucy, have you got any, any aliens you'd like to have? Any, any good aliens? Yes, I think good, just very confused. I'm going to David Bowie with Man Who Fell to Earth and by extension, Lazarus. Um, the oh, yeah. stage production, which was one of the last things Bowie worked mm. on, and it was with Ender Walsh. And I was so lucky to get to see it in London last year. Wow. And so it's based around the man who fell to earth, and it mixes in Bowie's music, um, which was actually performed brilliantly, which I felt quite conflicted about before I went in. But Michael C. Riley um, performing the lead so this role. This is this guy out Dexter, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah um, he was brilliant absolutely fantastic which i kind of wasn't expecting and they did bring um film and cinema into it so like they had um screens wrapped around the stage which had all sorts of projections worked through and styled the mood but also brought in footage from different places and it, it was just such a fantastic thing um fabulous um, and of course, the man who felt. I mean, and Dave, David Bowie is, as we all now know, an alien um, that was sent to Earth in lieu of uh, ships full of, of, of human, of, of civilization and science. They just sent him and said, "He just listen to him." And it's quite notable that since he left us, everything's gone wrong. I, d I don't think that's a coincidence, mm -hmm. personally. Um, so we're coming right up at the end of the show. Anything else you'd like to add? I've got um, Daleks. We haven't mentioned, so I just feel like I want to say the word Dalek, because they were, uh, you know, m uh, the, the terror of my youth. Um, and um, I'm not sure if we count this as an alien or robot, Gort, from the day the Earth stood still. I mean, he's an alien robot. I so believe he is counted he's as an alien. alien. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's an alien robot. So um, I think the design of that is brilliant. Mm. You know, just this, the thing that makes him look so weirdly alien is just metal bending. You know, it just, it, it just looks weird um, and, and fantastic. I'd like to give a shout to some of the classic sort of 50s, um, you know, monster movie aliens mm -hmm. like um, the two-headed uh, mutant alien from... Um, uh, oh, gosh, and the title of that one is not Forbidden Planet. Um, oh, it's gone out of my head. But, okay, uh, let us know if you know out there. Two-headed mutant alien. Two-headed mutant alien. From Mars, probably what it was called. Uh, Let's move on. Yeah. Okay. Any others? Any other aliens from the sixties? I mean, the um, planet. I, was, I think the Blob is a nice. The uh, Blob. There is. There is one called. I think it's called the aliens. The brains from Mars or something, where brains invade and they. You think how on earth a brain's going to look scary? But they, they use the brainstem like a kind of tail. Invaders from Mars. I'm no. not sure. No, I think they're called brains from Attack brains of the Brains or something okay. like that. But they look like the alien facehugger from from Alien. You can see where H.R. Gaga got that idea from. Ma actually making a kind of crawling brain seem frightening, which is quite a skill. Oh, that sounds like Fiend Without a Face. British British film where it is just a brain yeah. with a, with a yeah. yeah, and they fly around and jump yes. into stuff. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I think that's great probably film. what it is, yeah. yeah. And there we go. I Lose. never last mentioned to go to Quatermass. Ah. Quatermass and Perth. And um, that you only very briefly see the the creatures in that, probably for the best, really mm. looking at it now. But it, it's still I, it's still fantastic fun. Do you want to know a crazy bit of trivia about Crazy Quatermass in the Pit, which is when originally was on 
uh, television. It was live. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a sequence in the, the tunnels where they climb through a tunnel. Um, and you see them going in, and then they come out the other side. And three of them, I think it's three of them go in, and only two of them come out the other side. And in real life, one of the, char- one of the actors died in the middle of it uh, he had a heart attack and was and died and they and they just carried on and, and so they go in and two of them come out and they just sort of carry on as if nothing had happened is that for real or some I, sort I, of I, I'm, now I've said this I'm, it sounds crazy so I need to double <laughs> um, so That's we'll have to double check that um, but yeah crazy crazy stuff um, we're, we're right up at the end of the show we really want to thank all of you guys out there for your contributions and your favorite aliens uh, i also want to say a huge thank you to people in the studio lucy thank you for everything that you do you're not here next week are you no, I'm afraid not. I'm going to see John Williams. Going to see John Williams. Um, make sure you get an interview with him, won't you, for yeah, us? Send his regards, especially if he does ET. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, you'll, you'll, have to, you'll have to bite your, your lip when he does that. So you're going to see John Williams next week. Um, and um, next week we are going to be joined in the studio by a speci- another special guest who is an expert on children's horror films. Shame you're not here for that. Yeah. Yes, you send in a list. Send in a list. Um, ET, you know, all the good horror films. Um, Tim, can I also thank you for your uh, time and contributions today? Really appreciate you coming yeah, in. The, remember, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, or the one. Thank you. Deep. Uh, and of course, Scott Johansson, thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having me. For coming in. Fun. And, More um, fun than I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I basically rocked up in quite. I was in a sort of a popcorn coma when I turned up today because of doing this late night Halloween thing last night, and I was yeah not I quite you with warmed it. into it very well. Um, well, if you want to see, uh, you want to hear more of Scott's uh, incredible sounding uh, soundtrack to these uh, alien cult films, get along to the Hare and Hounds, uh, and on Monday. I can um, promise if you come to the show um, that I've booked thirty-two UFO-shaped coaches to take us to the Unarius uh, Society in New Zealand. So uh, we'll all be leaving after the show to go and uh, join a UFO call. And possibly be taken up in the skies. <laughs> Who knows? Um, uh, oh, school. people are unbooking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. We, we're getting told we have to leave now. We're getting, we're getting cross-looks from our uh, bosses here. I want to, f- uh, to find, uh, leave with one final alien. Um, and he is uh, another alien that, that, that... Another human that could possibly have been a nod of this world and that's Robin Williams Nick Cage not not Nick Cage I'm going to play um, of course um, Mork was one of the most uh, iconic AM TV aliens of the of the uh, of the 1970s and he was uh, often commenting on the absurdities of the human race um, and this is him doing so so thank you everyone for listening we're going to be back instead of our usual two week hiatus we're back in a week so we're back in a week for our Halloween uh, children's horror special uh, so thank you again everyone for listening and we'll leave you with Mork from Mork Mork calling Orson come in Orson Mork calling Orson come in Orson Mork calling Orson come in Orson come in lazy breath <laughs> watch it Mork I'm only 60 million light years away just tell me what you've learned about Earth oh I've learned a lot so much it's hard to comprehend it seems that everyone on this planet is an individual, and not only that, they're proud of it. Amazing. If everyone's different, how can a society function? Not very well. They almost locked me up because they thought my mind was imperfect. Hmm. Intelligent life. Awesome. 
Something very strange happened that really confuses me. I met this Earth girl and her biological father, and at my hearing, they came to my defense, especially the girl. She defied the system to protect me. Why would she do such a thing? I don't know. Must have something to do with emotions. <laughs> Investigate the phenomenon closely. It's interesting behavior, even if it is irrational. Yes, it is. Orson, this may sound strange, but knowing that someone would do that for me, well, it makes me feel really good inside. Just remember, Mort, you're sent there to observe, not to get involved. Yes, Your Immenseness. This is Mark signing off from Boulder, Colorado. Until next week. No, 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 no. Thanks for listening to this Brum Radio podcast. If you've enjoyed it, please consider joining our listener supporters. You can do this by clicking the support tab on our website or go direct to Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Brum Radio. Brum Radio shows are streamed online at the Brum Radio Mixcloud page, and you can find more podcasts at brumradio.com.